Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so on this one, we're just going to dive right in. Uh, we, uh, we have, of course, a lot to talk about. Uh, we can't we can't not talk about perimenopause or menopause without discussing you know diet and weight loss, at least to some extent. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. When women, you know, hit their 40s, they especially perimenopause and menopause, they always say it's like I put on 10, 12 pounds overnight. Like it's just where did it come from? And and they will point right to their stomach. I've had women, I love them dearly. They will even grab their stomach and say, I've never had a belly before. Where did this gut come from? And um, you know, it really isn't, you know, things are different. Of course, we all know obviously from when we're 20 to when we're 40 to when we're 60, you know, we're always changing, but it definitely comes from the change in hormones. Yeah, right. And believe me, that is, you know, that is very complicated. Uh, and you and I, you know, we've been doing this a long time. And we, we certainly don't have all the answers when it comes to, uh, you know, diet and weight loss and especially perimenopausal, you know, weight loss uh, or menopausal weight loss for that matter. Uh, but we, you know, the purpose of this episode is to kind of just shed some light on some of the observations that we've noticed. And in some ways, what doesn't work for people, uh, we do know some of those things. Uh, everyone is still trying to follow the same advice. Eat less, exercise more all the time. Uh, they're just trying to basically starve themselves and exercise a bunch. Uh, and that strategy right there, and we'll kind of dive into that, what that strategy looks like a little bit more specifically, but that strategy clearly does not work. Uh, and in some cases it actually, you know, makes their situation worse. They actually gain more weight. They're exercising five, six days a week and their weight is going up. Yeah. You'll see that. I mean, granted, I was a child of the 80s. I remember the 80s and the 90s. If you were going to go on a diet, you just stopped eating or you just restricted your food or you keep it to like one Snickers bar a day or, you know, everybody has had that caloric restriction put in their brain almost like it's theory. But now we're realizing that we want to eat food to lose weight. We want to eat more calories. When you under eat, sure, you might lose a few pounds initially and people say, oh, this is awesome. I lost, you know, eight pounds. I lost 10 pounds, but it always comes back. And I work with a lot of women, especially with hormones is when you do that, sometimes I don't want to say it messes up your metabolism, but it's really hard to come back from when you've done a crash diet or chronically restricted your calories. Yeah. Metabolism, you know, that term metabolism, like I don't think anybody really understands what metabolism is. Like it's this kind of this really obscure metabolism. What is that? Uh, Now, granted, we could define that in a couple of different ways, but really kind of your resting metabolic rate. Uh, you know, how much energy does your body utilize while you're just sitting there watching TV, right? You know, that's your resting metabolic rate. That is, in some ways, metabolism is a moving target. It doesn't stay static. It's very dynamic based on the information that your body's receiving, your stress, your sleep, your activity, your diet, your food, you know, all these things that your body is taking in is then being translated into whether you 
you know, your weight management, whether you gain weight, lose weight, or maintain weight. Uh, and that message is always kind of being reevaluated. So, if, and one thing I will say from a more from a, you know, a bio, biology perspective or from a survival perspective, if you're on a chronic diet, uh, the body is very, very sensitive. The brain, the hypothalamus, that's kind of the master gland in the brain. The hypothalamus is very sensitive to a significant drop in calories. It does not like a, uh, it does better with a increase in calories. It does not do very well. It starts going to, you know, which we'll talk a little bit about compensation mode when those calories drop too low for too long. And then like you had mentioned, like we always know is, Hey, I'm going to eat less then I'm going to exercise more, which exercise is great. Exercise is great for the body. I love to exercise, but especially Dr. Mackey is very much an advocate of you need to change the way that you exercise, especially in your 40s and 50s if you're trying to lose weight. Yeah, right. And uh, granted, uh, this is not a criticism. I really appreciate how disciplined and how dedicated a lot of women are. I mean, literally, they are working their butts off trying to achieve something, trying to achieve their goal, and they just get so frustrated because you know they just follow that same advice you know, go on a 500 or 1500 calorie or, or less, you know, calories a day. They're measuring it in their MyFitnessPal or whatever, you know, app they're using. Uh, so they're meeting that caloric goal. And then they're exercising four to six days a week at doing some kind of a boot camp or some cardio class uh, or some spin class or something along those lines. And, you know, months will go by. They might lose a little, like you said, a little bit of weight initially. Then either it comes to a screeching halt, they lose no more weight, or they've been doing that for six months and they've gained 10 pounds. Uh, you know, uh, it completely is baffling as to why it works that way. And granted, I like cardio. Cardio is fun. It's, you know, you gets your heart rate up. You feel really good afterwards. You feel like you actually did something. So I like, I love cardio. But like you always tell me is, hey, you got to back down and do the weights. And then I say, I don't want to do the weights. Well, <laughs> weights you know, are hard, but you're right. I need to do the weights. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that the, you know, uh, by focusing a little bit, now granted, this isn't just about focusing on weight training and trying to convince women that weight training is the way to go, uh, but we talked about that metabolic rate, that resting metabolic rate. Women specifically, because that's who you and I talk to most often, and even some guys, they kind of do the same thing. Guys can get away with it a little bit easier until they get to their mid-40s and 50s. Then it becomes, they have the same challenges that women do. Um, what used to work when you're 25 no longer works anymore. Now, now for guys, you know, and you um, for some of your husbands out there, whenever they try to actively try to lose weight, they'll lose double, triple what women lose, which only frustrates them. They just have to stop drinking the beer, uh, you know, or, you know, some of those, uh, you know, Sunday NFL football tailgating foods. And all of a sudden, you know, they, or they do keto and they lose 20 pounds in a month and a half. You know, that just frustrates women to no end because they're able to, you know, they're able to drop weight so rapidly. You know, but from a success, a long-term success, uh, success perspective, uh, you know, how rapidly you, you, you lose it in some ways uh, only guarantees on how quickly that weight is going to come back. And just like you're saying, and I hear it all the time too, like, hey, me and my husband went on a, you know, we're starting to walk a little bit more and we're eating better. And of course he loses 15 pounds and the wife will say, I lost one. You know, it's, you, you hear it all the time. So it does make you say, well, you know, click, 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 you know, light bulb, light bulb. It must be a hormone issue going on, which yes, in some ways, you know, female hormones are different. You know, we have more estrogen and progesterone. We all, as humans, we all have the same hormones. It's just, 
you know, us ladies, we have more estrogen and progesterone than men do, is that change in that estrogen and progesterone can facilitate that, but there's so many other hormones that come into, um, come into play with that. Yeah, right. Now, we know that uh, nowadays that keto and intermittent fasting are both very popular. Uh, and we, you know, we kind of align with both of those strategies. We like the lower carb strategy. We like intermittent fasting. Combining them together, it can be extremely effective. It, uh, unfortunately, what I think a lot of times those things translate into on a day-to-day basis is basically another version of a low-calorie diet. A keto diet and, a, and an intermittent fasting is not necessarily meant to be just basically another form of low calories. But when you're removing a whole macronutrient, carbohydrates, inevitably, uh, for most people, especially women, calories are going to go down. Uh, now, we wrote a book, uh, a little ebook, a little short ebook about this called the Keto Carb Cycling Program, uh, kind of uh, in some ways intended to protect women from themselves. Uh, we wrote it for women because that's who we deal with the most often. I think it can be very effective for guys, maybe more effective for guys, but it was intended for women uh, because we see this, you know, exactly what we're talking about right now is we've seen this happen over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years as we've been in practice, uh, that this low calorie thing always creeps back in. Uh, you figure as long as you're under 1500 calories, you're going to lose one to two pounds a week and you're going to meet your goal in three months. Uh, it, you know, when we say, when we say that metabolism is kind of a moving target, uh, you know, we, I, we think we should, people should focus more on stress level and sleep quality before they kind of dive into all of that, because it can be, uh, the results can be kind of compounded in a negative way. And one thing, you know, ketosis, keto diets were really popular, you know, year, a couple of years ago, you know, intermittent fasting, super popular now. Now macros are back in the business where it used to be macros were the super, you know, all this with dietary stuff, it's always changing and there's always, always different kind of things out there. So, which is nice because not one thing works for everyone, but we did notice with doing the, you know, with ketosis, one of the reasons why people drop their calories is it does your appetite goes down. Yeah, right. Yeah, you uh, now there's a few things there. You know, like you said, your insulin drops, you're taking away the carbs, uh, and probably a lot of sugar for that matter Mm -hmm. out of the, you know, and sugar is one of those things, right? The more you have, the more you want. It's kind of like this feed forward mechanism in your brain, you know, so the more snacks and things and the sweet things you eat, the more your brain just wants to eat that stuff, you you know, you uh, eliminate that and then it takes a few days and all of a sudden now your cravings are relatively gone unless you are at a low calorie state for a long period of time. Uh, And that long period of time is um, somewhat dependent on the person and dependent on the rest of their lifestyle, how well they sleep, what their stress level is, and how much activity they do. Uh, How many women out there are exercising like crazy and you get done with an exercise session or in the evening after doing that on a, on a workout day. And all of a sudden now you start getting the munchies. You want chips, you want crackers, you want cookies, you want carbs. <laughs> yeah, you want sugar and carbs galore. In some ways that activity basically tells your body to eat those things. So you're, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of battling against your own body's uh, uh, innate mechanisms to, you know, to protect itself from, you know, starving to death and running from a tiger, right? That's what most women are telling their brains. They're literally on a daily basis. They're, they're starving and, a, you know, a grizzly bear is chasing them down the street. Um, that, of course, is going to make your body respond a little bit of a different way than in a very calm, relaxed environment. And then that's when the weight loss tends to happen the most. It's not going to happen in that, you know, uh, consistent day in, day out fight or flight response. Exactly. Cause doing more cardiovascular, like I said, it's really fun. I like it, but it does raise up your cortisol. And when you raise up your cortisol, cortisol is a, you know, hormone 
from the adrenal glands. It has a connection with glucose, um, and then which also has a connection with insulin. So we could go down that rabbit's hole. But one thing about that is when you raise up that cortisol and mess with your insulin and glucose, it makes you want to have sugar later on. I mean, always does. I have women, we talk, we giggle about it and say like eating in the evening time can be like an extracurricular activity because I was at 10 in the morning, nobody wants a brownie. Nobody wants, that's why a lot of times women won't even eat much during the day because they're running from that grizzly bear. But come nighttime, my goodness, it's a, it's a free for all and willpower never wins. Biology, you always want to bet on biology because willpower is very short lived. Yeah. These mechanisms that we have in our body, you know, between, uh, you know, our liver and our hypothalamus and our fat stores and all these different organs that regulate this, it is extremely complicated. Now, if you talk to the low carb people, they'll say weight gain is all about insulin. If you talk to the neuroscience people, they'll say that it's all a brain issue. I think that it's a combination of both of them. It's a, it is a peripheral, you know, kind of insulin based issue. Uh, now insulin, I think gets a bad rap sometimes. I certainly kind of bag on insulin, but insulin is a critically important hormone. You need insulin for its anabolic or its, uh, energy storing effects. You need insulin. It's not necessarily about having no insulin whatsoever. That's what a type one diabetic is. And they don't live very long if they, you know, insulin, I think was invented or discovered as a medication, like in the early you know, 20th century. Uh, before that people that had type one diabetes, they lived like two weeks. Uh, they didn't live very long. So insulin, Insulin is a is a, an essential hormone that our body actually needs. We just need to be able to manage it uh, well and make sure that the body doesn't become resistant to insulin. Uh, now, granted, that's uh, a whole other topic we'll talk about later on. But there's a lot of things under that insulin umbrella: PCOS, fatty liver, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, of course, weight gain. Uh, maybe more on the uh, you know on the obese side of weight gain, as opposed to what we're kind of discussing is people that are trying to lose you know, 20, 25 pounds or less, right? I wouldn't necessarily consider anybody in that category. Uh, you know, if you had to ask of all your patients, maybe not specific, anybody specific, but, um, you know, the common weight for a perimenopausal woman, what would you say it is? I would say for the perimenopausal patients, they, they do want to lose what I call them as vanity pounds. And, and really it's because their health is great. Their blood work is great. Their blood sugar is good. Their liver enzymes are great. Their cholesterol is good. But that extra, you know, 15 to 25 pounds that they never had, even though they eat better than they did back in their twenties, that's what they're looking for. So, um, you know, we, we giggle about it, calling it vanity pounds, but in truth, it kind of is because it's not something that's, you know, deterring from their health. It really is. So, you know, so we can feel good about ourselves and wear the clothes we want to and be able to get the results that we want. Yeah, right. Now, granted, if that is a left unabated, as that process continues, I think it, it can turn into uh, way more issues. Like I said, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, all the things that lead to age related disease, diabetes, you know, heart disease, Alzheimer's, cancer, uh, you know, weight. Um, of course, uh, especially now with all the coronavirus stuff as well, um, people have been talking about some of these other uh, underlying risk factors that increase our, you know, our susceptibility to those, to those types of things. So, you know, 15, 20 pounds at some point turns into a bigger problem later on, you know, so there's no diminishing, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the health effects of losing that 25 to 15 to 25 pounds, it has a significant impact on, you know, the overall, you know, the overall health of that person. And just on a, I want to kind of go back a little bit to that caloric restriction is you can see sometimes on blood work when someone is calorically restricting, because when you lower your calories for a, a long period of time, you're like, 
like Dr. Mackey says, is your body goes into compensation mode is you'll see the thyroid low. And it's not necessarily like it looks like there's thyroid disease or diagnosable hypothyroid, but you'll see the free T3, which is the active form of thyroid, drop down. It'll easily be in the twos. And I can usually look at that and say, you know, that's because you're trying to calorically restrict. And then it's dropping your thyroid function. And then they wonder why they're so tired and why they also, you think thyroid has a huge, you know, contributing effect towards um, weight loss. So if the T3 is going to drop down, it's going to make it even harder to lose weight. Yeah, right. When we're talking metabolism, a T3 or thyroid function isn't necessarily your, you know, your metabolism specifically, but it, it contributes to it, right? So on blood work, you, like you said, exactly, we want to see that free T3 to be high normal. That means in some respects that their metabolic fire is kind of running nice and hot. Uh, so when there is energy coming in, food, your body is going to be able to utilize that energy very well. And we're not doing something that is forcing the body over exercising and under eating, or maybe not sleeping, maybe all three. That is your typical, at least what we see, that's your typical perimenopausal woman. They don't sleep, they have high stress, they under eat and they over exercise. Those are the four things we probably should have started with that. Those mm-hmm. are the four things that we see all the time. Uh, so overstressed, don't sleep, uh, uh, overexercise and under eat. That is the four things that they are doing. So if you're doing those things to try to lose your weight, focus on the sleep and the stress first, lower your stress as far as, as the best you can. That's easy for us to say, but very hard to do, right? We all have stress, um, but manage it well. Uh, and part of managing stress well is just improving your sleep quality. We've got a, quite a few blogs and podcasts that are about sleep quality. If you haven't listened to those, uh, pay attention because that should be your number one focus is if you can't reduce your stress, then you have to maximize your sleep quality. That has to be number one because otherwise when it comes to losing weight, you're just basically walking uphill backwards. Uh, weight regulation basically happens at night. All the hormones that keep your um, weight in check um, basically are related to having a good night's sleep on a regular basis. Now, the occasional bad night... Okay, that's fine, right? But as long as the majority of your week is getting to bed at a reasonable time, falling asleep easy, staying asleep most of the night, uh, and then waking up feeling at least moderately refreshed, now the, the 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 ability for your body to lose weight effectively, you know, you're having that effect on the on, on the nervous system from fight or flight to rest and digest. We want that switch to happen um, a little bit easier than it does for most people. You're right. Yeah, it's definitely with the sleep. We have patients that are, you know, I tell them, don't get up at four in the morning to go to the gym. Just go keep the sleep because they're going to, they're, they're too busy. They're too stressed. They're going to bed at 11, 1130. And then they're trying to wake up between four and five to get to a cardio class. I said, just take the time to sleep. You'll probably notice you not only feel better, but that it's easier to lose the weight because nobody can get by on that, you know, that little sleep. Yeah, right. Yeah. And not perpetually, maybe short periods of time. Okay, fine. But ongoing when you're having a sleep challenge anyways, and you're forcing yourself and you, you know, you hear it from people, they, they say they're, they're really gung ho. They're doing it, you know, um, really, uh, they're very disciplined. They're very uh, consistent for a while. And then little by little, the little voice in their head starts telling them, oh, I don't want to get up. I want to sleep a little bit longer, a little bit, you know. So uh, it goes from six days a week to five, and then from five to four, and then from four to three. And then a little, bit, a little while longer, they just go to, you know, they just don't have the energy to exercise at all. They kind of pitter themselves out because, you know, their their energy balance is completely um, out of whack. There's too much, uh, too much going out, too little coming in. Now, granted, that model, energy in, energy out, we don't really agree with that necessarily. It's not just about calories. Uh, but in this context, it is about making sure that you're eating enough food. 
which is completely counterintuitive uh, to a weight loss process, thinking that you have to eat just the right amount in order to lose weight. Uh, and it's not really the right amount on a daily basis. It's the right amount over time. Uh, you know, and when it comes to weight loss, we all want, you know, you included, we want immediate results right away. We want to see that scale changing either daily or weekly. Otherwise, we get demotivated and we don't want to continue or we have to uh, think about uh, kind of changing our strategy, which with most people do is they just either m- increase their exercise or decrease the amount of food they're eating, which then just sabotages them even faster. Exactly. And, and we definitely see that in females because especially once they hit right around the late thirties, that, you know, early forties and then menopause too, you know, menopause is a huge aspect where they're talking about, you know, that weight gain. So definitely us ladies are quite a bit different than the boys. Well, you know, I, you know, I hear the same, uh, same things from men. I think men just, you know, uh, they don't, they don't focus on it as much. I think it's more socially acceptable for men to, you know, ha- carry a little bit of extra weight. Uh, it's almost like, you know, it's just normal, um, where women are just that much more focused on it. They're trying to maintain something. They're a little bit more urgent about that process. Men will finally get to that point of frustration. Something will happen, some event, some scare, some whatever, and they'll make a change. And, you know, where women just seem to be a little bit more, um, you know, and maybe that's biased just because you and I are majority of the time we're just talking to women, right? So they're a little bit more hyper-focused on that, uh, on achieving whatever goal they're trying to set out. Like I said, that 15 to 25 pounds they want to lose, where men, uh, you know, we just don't hear it as often partially just because we're not dealing with as many men as we are women. If we're dealing with more men, we probably hear the same thing. Um, but proportion or percentage wise, we hear more from, you know, from the wives versus the husbands. And I love the dedication, you know, women, you know, trying to exercise, you know, five times a week, trying to, you know, count their calories, see what they're eating, trying to eat healthy, which, you know, you love that dedication. I just think, um, like we talked about just making a few little changes, like, Hey, let's get a little bit better sleep. Uh, maybe we'll cut back on that cardio and like I need to do. And you always tell me, let's work on a little bit more of those, you know, the weights, doing some squats, working on that upper body, doing, doing a little bit more weight training, and then maybe not having to go to the gym so frequently. Cause I think we need that rest and relaxation. So we're not constantly feeling like we're being chased by a grizzly bear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the, the, the recuperation and recovery part is is drastically overmissed all the time. And people don't realize you just can't go, go, go all the time and then eat, you know, 1200 calories a day. Uh, eventually, you know, you're going to develop, you know, some, in some cases, you're going to develop some serious uh, symptoms from that, you know, kind of like overtraining syndrome, which is actually a real thing. You can't, you can't push your body physically, uh, you know, as much as you want with eating so little food, the more you, and this is also very counterintuitive. Uh, but again, if you're doing this, you know, keto or intermittent fasting, on a regular basis and you're not getting the results that you want, then you need to eat more food. If you've been doing something for a while at a low calorie state and you're not, uh, you know, this is also what the KCCP kind of emphasizes is uh, if you've been doing that for a while and you're not getting consistent results on the scale, um, then you need to um, go through like a refeeding process. You need to increase your calories. So now those hormones that are compensating against you, your body can resettle those hormones. Uh, and then it's like taking a step backwards in order to continue to take a step forward. And that is an evolving process that happens on a consistent basis, whether you do it, you know, 
every couple of days as a, you know, as a refeed or, you know, in a sense, that's what carb cycling is. That's why we called the book that, you know, the keto carb cycling program, because keto people drop calories, carb cycling, calorie carbs come back in, calories go up. Um, so it's this in, inevitable, you know, kind of ebb and flow to your a caloric intake that allows for weight loss to happen over time because the body never really, you know, as we said, metabolism is kind of this moving target. You're really not ever shutting off your metabolism or not shutting off the fat burning process. Uh, you're able to maintain that over time. Uh, so instead of eating less, exercising more, we always are recommending to eat more and exercise less. Okay? That's hard to do. That's really hard to pull off. I mean, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. It's hard to wrap your brain around it. It sounds like what? doesn't make sense. But as you're saying it is, you know, the body, the body is very adaptable. That's why we're so incredible as human beings. We're just so incredible. We're so adaptable that if you are changing up your calories, maybe, you know, on a weekly basis overall, or like, like you mentioned overall, the, the caloric intake for that week might be a certain amount, but you're kind of change each day is a little different then your body can't get adapted to it because that's one part that we always talk about with that starvation diet is your body becomes adapted to you know 900 calories and then oh my goodness you start to eat like a normal human being and then of course the weight comes right back on so if you're always changing that you know there's you know there's a little bit of some viability to that to be able to get the goals that you want and also be able to maintain it. Nobody can maintain, you know, a thousand calories for the, you know, the rest of their life. You know, they always will end up binging or holidays or whatnot. We got to make this a lifestyle change so it's maintainable and you can go out with your friends or cook dinner with your family or go have a family dinner or have a holiday or birthday party. You want to make this, you know, a lifestyle that you can adhere to. Yeah, right. And really what this, in this, uh, and I think, and granted, this is semantics, you know, whatever, but I think it means something is based on the strategy. When you're trying to lose, you know, 15 to 25 pounds or whatever the number is for you, for you, it's really not about weight loss. It's more about body recomposition. We all want more muscle, less fat. Okay. Maybe guys want more muscle, but they certainly want less fat. Women just want less fat, but the way you get there is by having more muscle. That's where the resistance component comes in because you're, you know, when you're doing aggressive cardiovascular work all the time, you're talking about cortisol. Cortisol is a very catabolic hormone. It breaks down your muscle tissue. So the higher your cortisol is because of your stress level, your lack of sleep, and your over-exercising and lack of food, all you're doing is breaking down your number one um, fat-burning tissue, which is your muscle mass. Uh, And I don't even know where I heard this. I heard this not that long ago might've been on a podcast or something. Well, I, and I have to look up this research to kind of validate this. So take it with a grain of salt, but it's one of the number one, again, some kind of a, you know, on a research level. So it's not necessarily very practical on a day-to-day basis, but it, I remembered it, it kind of caught my attention. Uh, and wherever I heard it, I know that was a fairly you know reputable source is that the number one, one of the number one factors of aging is what they call sarcopenia. Uh, sarcopenia meaning sarco meaning muscle. So penia meaning less. So losing muscle over time is one of the fa- is one of the major contributors contributors to the aging process. Uh, you know, so I think there's going to be a shift over the next few years where, you know, in some ways strong is the new sexy kind of thing. I think that CrossFit tried to do some of that, you know, where women were, you know, lifting weights, they were getting, you know, ripped and jacked, uh, you know, uh, in some respects in a very, you know, female sort of way. Um, but you know, they're, you know, they're, 
increasing their metabolic rate. And now the 23 and a half hours that you're not working out, you, that, you know, that resting metabolic rate is where you're burning all those calories. So you don't have to kill yourself in the gym all the time. That's the advantage of doing a, a resistance-based training workout versus something that's cardio where you don't get that back-end benefit. That's really interesting, especially I like that sexy is or strong is the new sexy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I saw something like that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. while it kind of died off, but I think that that is, I think that is the, maybe it isn't going to be the trend, but I think it needs to be the trend, mm-hmm. you know, right? I think it needs to be the trend because women, we see it all the time. You're not going to exercise the weight off. It's about, you know, being consistent. If anything, like we said, it's about eating less exercise, excuse me, eating more, exercising less, but making sure that the exercise you do do has that long-term advantage to it or that long-term impact, which is by raising, increasing muscle, which then raises your metabolic rate. So on a scale, right, if you have more muscle mass, you know, comparatively, uh, you might weigh a little bit more on the scale. You might not get down to the, you know, below 140 pounds. You might be at 145, you might be at 147, but you might be leaner than you were uh, at 130, you have proportionally more muscle, uh, and therefore, you know, you're going to, you know, your, your clothes are going to fit quite a bit differently, the leaner you are. Uh, you know, that's what everyone's trying to accomplish. It's just that how they go about that is almost exactly the opposite. There's a way to gain weight. Everybody is doing it in that particular fashion, starve yourself and exercise a ton, uh, and then never sleep, right? That's, you know, that's a recipe for, you know, for disaster in some respects. No, definitely. And and I think you made a really good point there about don't let the number on the scale be your goal. You know, everybody's, you know, I want to be 123. I want to be 127. I want to be 138. Everybody's got this number and the scale is evil. So if anything, I think y'all should take it out back and bury it in a have a nice little rite of passage. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice to have some way to monitor success or monitor progress, right? So the scale is an easy way, but when you're, you know, really close to your ideal weight anyways, within, you know, 10 to 15 pounds, the number you decide um, what your ideal weight is, is just something you've made up in your head. Uh, it's not really the real number uh, because you're you know, relatively close to that number anyways. Uh, but looking at percent body fat, that's why I look doing a DEXA scan. You can find some imaging centers around, uh, around the country. If you're in a major metropolitan area, you know, Seattle, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Chicago, if you're in a big area like that, or even a, you know, a, a suburb of a, of a big city, you're going to find an imaging center that does um, body composition testing with the DEXA scan. Uh, and then now you get a real percentage of what your lean, lean body mass is, your muscle, your bone, and then of course, what your percent body fat is. And now that can be tracked over time. And I think they do scans like that for a hundred bucks, yeah, you know, when we did it, when we've done it, it's like a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars, $150. You do that. Maybe in the beginning, you do it every three months just to mm-hmm. see that you're, as long as that body fat percentage is going down, whatever strategy that you're employing, is working, right? So that number will, you know, will continue to go down. Uh, if you've been doing something for three months and you haven't seen any change, that means you need to switch things up a little bit. Uh, and that's just looking at your overall routine uh, and modifying some things. Always we stress stress level in sleep quality. Reduce your stress as much as you can and or increase sleep quality. Sleep quality has to go up. And then the exercise two to four days a week at the maximum, right? Four days a week could be done every other day or you could do two days with a day off and then two days. So you're allowing for enough rest to happen in there, especially if you're busy, right? You're taking care of the kids. You're working full time. You're taking care of the kids and working full time. Uh, It doesn't leave a lot of room for some of those things, which we hear it all the time. Women are just trying to pack so much into their day and their week. Uh, and they wonder why they're not having any success. 
And I know that we kind of originally started this podcast uh, or this episode about, you know, perimenopause and menopausal weight gain. But honestly, everything I think we've talked about, especially what you've talked about, Dr. Mackey can apply to anyone that's really looking to lose, to lose some weight. So, um, just yeah, some thoughts there. Yeah, right. I think it, it certainly translates, right? Because everybody's trying to follow the same strategy, but this one is specific to this, you know, um, this uh, category or this demographic of people that is really having a tough time. Uh, so um, if you have any questions, this is uh, a very complicated topic. Uh, we, you know, we know enough to be dangerous. Uh, we, you know, we, but we do have, you know, some very, um, you know, some very specific things and how we approach these, uh, these types of topics. So if you have any questions, you can send us an email at help at progressionhealth.com. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Dr. Davidson? Um, you had mentioned about the KCCP, the keto carb cycling program. Do we still have that available as yeah, a free so download? If you just go to the website, uh, progressionhealth.com backslash KCCP, right? So just, you know, the letters KCCP, then you can find the download there. Uh, there is a part in there about using, um, you know, putting uh, uh, butter and coconut oil in your coffee. It's optional. You don't have to do that. What we found or what I found um, is that most women don't enjoy that part. Um, you know, it's really intended as a way to bolster caloric intake, uh, especially if you're doing kind of a keto diet. So if you do download it, you can completely ignore, you know, uh, the, you know, adding fat, quote unquote, into your morning beverage. Uh, it's really not, we have found it not to really be that popular with women anyways. Uh, you know, that part is completely optional, but the rest of it kind of summarizes some of the things we've talked about, emphasizes making sure you eat enough. Uh, one last thing before we finish this, I think is important. Uh, the average male, his ma- maintenance level of calories on a daily basis is probably between 3000 to 3,500 calories for the average male. Women are probably somewhere between 2,000 to 2,600 calories uh, as their maintenance level. That's the amount of calories they need over time to not, you know, to, to survive. Uh, and, uh, you know, when a woman is on a 1,500 calorie or less diet or 1,200 calories or less, that's not even taking in any exercise. She is potentially under eating by anywhere between 500 to 1,000 calories. Uh, so if you don't have to count calories, but if you just focused on eating four meals a day, 500 calories each, you'd be at basically 2,000 calories, which is, I think, you know, kind of a ballpark where most women need to be. The more activity you have, then the more, the higher that number should be, not lower. Uh, And if you, you know, if you did that, focus on that over time, I think you'd have, end up having a lot more success than 1200 calories doing that for months and exercising six days a week. And I'm sure a lot of you ladies out there and myself included are probably like, what? That's a lot of calories. I've never heard I'm supposed to eat that much calories, but it is true. So, you know, we're changing some of those theories. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now granted, we're not going to eat that every single day that might ebb and flow a little bit like it's supposed to. Some days are more, some days are less. That's kind of what the, you know, the premise of the KCCP is in the first place is getting people to kind of think in those terms. So it's a, a feast or famine. You eat, you overeat, undereat, overeat, undereat. And your body is kind of a, we're kind of our, our, uh, our DNA and our genes and everything is kind of evolved over time to you know, respond very well to that environment. We don't really respond well to three square meals a day necessarily. Uh, So hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully this wasn't more confusing. Hopefully this gives you a little bit more insight. Uh, And, uh, you know, until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. 
For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.